Welcome, everybody, to the Everybody Counts podcast. We have a very special episode this evening. This entire episode is dedicated to two fan favorites on the Bosch series, Crate and Barrel. So we have interviews for you with Troy Evans, who plays Barrel, and Gregory Scott Cummins, who plays Crate. So definitely look forward to those. But before we drop the interviews, I wanted to talk a little bit with a fellow fan about these characters and just explore them a little bit more and talk about how awesome they are and why we are so drawn to them. So I have super fan Valerie Long here to talk about these two guys. So welcome, Valerie. Hi, Tracy. Hey, thank you so much for joining me. I think this is going to be a fun conversation. I mean, how can it not be when you're talking about Crate and Barrel, right? Yeah. <laughs> so um, love chatting with you on social media. So great that you're here on the podcast. Why don't you let folks know a little bit about you? What brought you to the Bosch universe? Why you love the show so much? And kind of when you started watching that kind of thing? Anything you want to share? Okay, well, uh, I live in Sydney, so I'm on the other side of the world. (laughs) But uh, I started watching Bosch because I many years ago had picked up a Michael Conley book. I can't remember Uh which one. I do remember reading Nine Dragons uh, because I was born in Hong Kong and that one is set in Hong Kong. And I remembered it very distinctly because Hieronymus is not a name you hear very often. And I really had no idea how it's pronounced. So I was very glad that in the book, they just call him, you know, his name is Hieronymus, but they just call him Harry. Yeah. Um, So it made it easier to remember the name. And I'd read a couple of other books randomly. I was never a super fan of the books as such, because I I read a lot of crime drama fiction and and that sort of thing, but not any one particular author. But I remember Titus. I'm a fan of Titus. He's, Uh he's and as everybody's discovered, he's (laughs) everything. Yeah. His name is not easy to forget. Right. And he's got a very unique face too, I think. Uh So when I see a show... And I see guest starring Titus Welliver. I go, oh, there's Titus. And then one day I saw an ad, a trailer. Um, I didn't have Amazon Prime at the time. I'm not sure if Australia even had Amazon Prime when that first came out. So I wasn't one of those people who got to vote to see uh, if they right. should you know, go ahead with mm-hmm. the series. Okay. So by the time I knew that this, the, the show had been picked up and it was coming, it had already been picked up and the whole, okay. you know, season one had already been shot. Uh-huh. And in Australia, it actually syndicated to SBS, so which is a government-owned broadcasting network. So okay. it's free to wear. So I watched it because I remember, oh, Bosch, I remember reading the book. Titus Welliver, oh, I love that <laughs> actor. So I remember watching it and I'd watched the first couple of seasons and then life got in the way and I sort of dropped off after I I guess season two or maybe season three and then like everybody else last year lockdown just sort of you know clicking around to see well what should I watch and by this stage I I have prime here subscription and I just went oh I should go back and watch Bosch again and I went back to the very beginning because i sort of forgotten what happened because it was so long ago and then I just couldn't stop like everybody else who (laughs) started because I got my mum into it and basically you know went over for dinner after dinner I said mum you finished everything else I've recommended let's watch this and I think we watched two episodes before I went home and then 
I don't know, the next day, she's like, <laughs> I'm up to episode six. Because she then kept, you know, stayed up and kept watching. Right. And then every time I messaged her, she'd be like, do not disturb, bosh. Like that's <laughs> all she would say in the mess in the reply. So I'd go, okay, well, I'll leave her alone. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I watched up to season five because season six had come off SBS on demand but okay. hadn't been put on Prime yet right. in Australia. So okay. I was like, oh, my God, everybody else is talking about season six, and I, I don't know what happened. Yeah. Um, so I had to wait for an, a few months, and then on New Year's Day, midnight, so I'd stayed up to watch the midnight fireworks. Sure. And then 12.01, I changed the channel and, <laughs> and went and started watching season six up until I, I don't know I think I watched maybe the first six episodes and then I was like no I really have to go to sleep yeah the morning and then the next day I, I woke up after a few hours sleep watched the rest sure went about my day and then went and watched it all over again <laughs> yeah um so I basically watched it twice within I don't know like 30 hours wow um, yeah and of course I've watched it again many times since yeah. And similarly, when season seven dropped, we did get it, I guess, maybe a day after the US because you guys all got it a little bit earlier than, than announced. Yeah. Announced, and we had to wait till Saturday morning. Mm-hmm. But I just kept refreshing the app. Like, <laughs> it's supposed to be online at 10 a.m. I just refresh, refresh. Yeah. Um, and then just marathon. And I think I've watched it about three or four times since. So awesome. I just love it. I mean, there's no short answer to this question. <laughs> no, and, and everybody has a little bit different story or you know, a little bit different time when they started. But I think one thing you've touched on that's very common is it's highly rewatchable. Mm. You know, I, I hear people all the time saying they're going to go back for another round and, and rewatch again, because I think you do pick up different details. And it's just I think that's one thing, but it's just so compelling you know, you yeah. just get so immersed into the story. It's almost, you know, an escape or you're in a different place and time and you're with yeah. these, these characters. So yeah, I hear that a lot. And I certainly rewatch quite a bit. And there's not a lot of shows that I would rewatch more than yeah. once, honestly. Yeah. And especially in such a short period of time. I mean, normally if I do rewatch a show, mm-hmm. it's, it's like years later, I'll go, oh, that was nice like I started re-watching Alias because I hadn't oh I love that one too since it first came out when I had to watch it on tv and you know Uh if you you miss it you miss it right (laughs) yeah so yeah but yeah with with Bosch it's just like no and it's everybody says this you know it gets to the end of the episode and you think I should just stop and go to bed or something but no Mm -hmm. it's going you know three seconds to the next episode it's like yeah Yeah. I might as well (laughs) exactly they really get you there and it's, it's not, it's not hard to, to make the decision to, yeah, go ahead yeah. for another one for sure. Well, you're definitely a big fan, which I'm sure translates also into being a big fan of Crate and Barrel. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Yes. Yes. What do you think draws fans to those two characters, to that pairing so, so much? How would you describe it? I think apart from the fact that they're always very witty and funny, mm-hmm. they, they're also they're very good at their jobs mm-hmm. and they've been at it for a long time yeah they're two of the very few people that harry absolutely trusts 
with his life Good point. and would you know he would die for right mm -hmm. so because you know there's a lot of comments always about oh does harry ever like anybody well <laughs> yeah. he, he does but yeah. the way i look at it is he has to respect you first and then mm -hmm. he might trust you and then he might like you mm -hmm. and i think it's like in that order mm -hmm. and crate and barrel fit all of those categories yeah and they're very old school they've been around you know longer than than harry so mm -hmm. they've seen it all and they know everybody Mm -hmm. as well so and I think they they also provide that balance where you know where Harry is just so intense everything mm -hmm. is about the job yeah Crane and Barrel are also about the job mm -hmm. but they also know that there is life beyond the job mm -hmm. they need to have that balance otherwise they would be as you know like they would never sleep like Harry right mm -hmm. so I think you know that's that's you know, definitely why they're 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 great because you yeah. know if if Harry needs something if there's a a tough task it's like yep Crate and Barrel will step in and they'll solve it right like, yeah Crate yeah. Killer <laughs> exactly prime example for sure <laughs> yeah. yeah you know and you have to wonder they've been on the job so long maybe that sense of humor and sometimes not taking yourself so seriously maybe that's a big part of what's allowed them to stay in the job for so long yeah you know it's it's the ability to compartmentalize i guess yeah yeah which um, is not always an easy task yeah 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 so it's you know like social workers yeah <laughs> you can't yeah. take it home with you right uh, we never see crate at home and interesting we've yeah even, we've never even i think he's mentioned mrs uh, mrs at home but we don't even know her name yeah and so I think we we only know that he's married we know mm -hmm. Barrel's been married a few times mm -hmm. so he's definitely not on the job all the time right but then maybe one of the reasons why he doesn't stay married is <laughs> yeah the job as yeah well. so, yeah that's hard to say. you know <laughs> yeah that was interesting getting a little peek into Barrel's world I think it was season five I think it was mm -hmm. when we you know, he goes to the grocery store, gets his pizza, goes home, watches yeah. a movie with his dog. You know, that yeah. was, it's so interesting that that scene, if you just look at it in itself, it was kind of sweet, you know, seeing his life outside of the station. But for some reason, I thought that was some kind of warning that something bad was going to happen to him. Mm. It really kind of scared me. Did you have any of that feeling? Or? Yeah, yeah. Anytime when, you know, there are all these things you're like, Oh, because after season one, when Crate got shot, mm -hmm. like, oh, anything can happen. Yeah. You know? And when they got in that accident in season five, yeah. 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 Like, oh, that's that's not good. But okay, yeah. they got they got through unscathed. They're not they're not gonna be in wheelchairs or anything, but you know, it's kind of like, oh, they're they're getting older and you know, yeah. they probably shouldn't be out on the streets. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah kind of but a kind then, of a reality check yeah 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 so it's like don't let anything happen to them <laughs> well with being such a, a big fan of them as as you know I said most are what did it feel like to you in season five when they sort of were at odds for a little bit the two of them yeah yeah it was kind of like oh don't break up the band 
Yeah. And when we thought Barrel was going to retire and I just kept thinking, well, what's going to happen to Craig? Who's he going to get partnered with? Yeah. Are they going to, you know, make him retire as well or mm-hmm. you know, whatever? And I think they, they are like an old married couple. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what they say in jest comes out of love and right. and respect and affection. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, they you know, when Crate recited that poem and, and all sure, that, yeah, that time yeah. party, it's it's a lot of laughs, but mm-hmm. you know that he he meant it as as, you know, I love you dearly. Yeah. I don't know what would happen if it could have been worse. It could have been a, a funeral, like instead of a retirement right. party. Right. So, you know, you, you know that they would always be together. Mm-hmm. Like even even if one of them did retire before the other. Sure. You, you could never really separate them. And whatever right. fight they have, they, they'll kiss and make up, you know. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> yeah. and the actors themselves have described their relationship, the character's relationship, very much like a, a marriage, too. That it, yeah. you know, goes through <laughs> lots of different phases and emotions. But ultimately, you know, they're very much bound together as yeah. detective partners. But yeah, things things aren't always easy. But I, I remember in season five when they sort of the, the like you talked about the jest and the teasing, mm-hmm. given ribbing, giving a hard time, it sort of crossed a little more into feeling serious. And I know that made me so uncomfortable. You know, unfortunately, it didn't last very long. But yeah, yeah it was just like, no, no. But but that it's adds a sense of, like, of reality. To yeah, it. it's kind of like a less intense version of Jerry and Harry mm-hmm. being at odds. Yeah. That's Jerry and Harry are a lot more intense uh-huh. and they they could and did get physical, but uh, Crate and Barrel would never. Like they right. would be, uh, and I think they're married. <laughs> I know to just walk away, cool down, and we'll come back and we'll yeah. be good again. Yeah. Uh, it's Which like probably that. says something about the length of their partnership too, that yeah. they've learned so much. That's just like, yep, just step away, you know, and yeah. things will be all right. Because we um, don't know exactly how long they've been partners. You're right. Um, we assume for, it's been forever. A very, but... very long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. 20 years or something. At yeah. We know they've been with the department for a long time. And I think I just tend to assume that they've, they've been partners, but that would be a good, good little nugget to, to yeah. find out from the writers. So what is one of the funniest scenes with them that comes to mind for you? There, there are so many. I know. Um, yeah, so, but, I mean, there's not one single scene. It's like mm-hmm. every time they're in the scene, there is a gem in something that they say. Yeah. In season two, the first episode, when Harry comes back to the station and they all pretend like, oh yeah you know he's there's nothing it's another day on the job yeah and they prank him big time yeah and then you know of course they're all happy to see Harry I mean I wonder whose idea it was I think it was Creighton Barrel's idea right because may have been Craig then said well I, I've been in hospital and you know I, I could have done worse uh-huh. <laughs> but th- there are just so many wonderful moments with yeah. the two of them yeah the writing is so great for them too like they have found a style of writing for them that just works yeah. and just you know seamlessly and, and it's always relevant like it, it is it, it's not that they just randomly you know appear there uh-huh. is a, a reason for them in the scene whether it's just to break up the 
tension mm-hmm. or just to even when they're giving out a fact yeah um you know there's it's there's cleverly delivered that. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, I think we have to give them a lot of credit too for like we talked about the long haul and being with the department because a lot of folks when they were transferred to caps crimes against persons a lot of people would have just you know shut the door then and there and you know fought it or just walked away but they even found a way to do great things there as well you know they they found the 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 stats the statistics that looked a little like they'd been fudged the the juking stats there you know they uncovered some I mean they took their job seriously I guess that's that's what I'm saying anywhere they're a detective whichever department they take it seriously and they do good work and uh you know I think you have to commend them for that you know yeah it it doesn't necessarily matter which department which makes me think too I know they were maybe they were teasing Pierce a little bit but they were also (laughs) trying to say hey you get to see all kinds of cases on the late show you know and and I think they were trying to put a positive spin on it for him it was still funny but I think yes. they were trying to be kind to him as yeah. well. But, but I think that's the way they approach their work too. Whatever you're investigating, you do your best yeah. work, you know? Yeah. And I think that that's another one of those reasons why they're, they're so much like Harry that yeah. you're right. They, they take the job as it is still police work. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter where I do it or mm-hmm. what exactly I'm doing. It is still police work. It yeah. is still solving crimes I'm just not you know at a crime scene looking for murderers and knocking on doors I'm just you know yeah it is still solving a mystery yeah Yeah. there's all kinds of things to to be solved yeah but I found that very uh funny and part of it was um Dewan Johnson's acting and his delivery as well because you know how he just kept rolling his eyes when they're telling I'm like you're making it worse you know all these stories and things you're telling him about how you know great it's going to be and it's going to be all right you're just making it worse yeah (laughs) he seems so down about it they find they find the funny side of everything yeah Yeah. they do they do um well I'm going to pull up a couple of things that other folks mentioned on the Bosch Pit. Now you're an admin on the Bosch Pit face group. Is that right? Yes, I am. Anything you want to plug about that fun group? Um, I joined the group sometime last year and was quite active on it. I love the group. They're very, I don't know if it's partly the demographic of the group, but the, the Bosch fans are all lovely. They're very engaging on Twitter and, and the Bosch Pit and generally people are very nice to each other mm-hmm. and I mean Mike is a great at men he, mm-hmm. he's just you know so so patient <laughs> with everybody um and he's always on top of things with the latest news and for and sure things so yeah it's it's a great group and you know all I can say is uh, everybody just enjoy themselves and um you know share their love for the show yeah um, and for the actors because yeah you know, a lot of them obviously have gone on to other things but mm-hmm. you know a lot of them like Lance is another Titus who've been around for a long time and there's uh-huh. a kid in a lot of shows sure and you can see when people start posting the oh I was watching I don't know 
NCIS or whatever. And suddenly, oh, look who popped up. And this person popped up, yeah. and this person popped up. And you see, oh my God, that was like Greg when we were watching Cliffhanger from, I don't know, 30 years ago. I remember seeing that movie yeah. at the movies. <laughs> <laughs> Actually at the movie theater, yeah. Yeah. So it's it's lovely when people discover that some of their favorite actors, what they did before and what they're yeah. doing now and in the future. So yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of, of Mike, who also is an admin on the site, he shared some of his favorite moments with Crate and Barrel. He reminded me about the conversation that he had that Crate had, please Navi Dog. I think Bosch said it, right? You remember? I think so. Yeah. yeah. And uh, was he talk? I think he was talking to Crate. Yeah. And he was yeah. still in the hospital bed yeah. um, after he'd been shot. That was a good one. And then, of course, Beryl being the hero when he discovered Heather Strout's backpack was left in the courtroom. The backpack oh, yeah. was there, but she wasn't <clears throat> yeah. there. You know, to, again, just that that experience on the job, that observation, knowing, seeing things, you know. That and was then, a great great um crate and barrel season that was it really was so amazing just getting them involved actively mm-hmm. in solving the case yeah um yeah for sure and he also mentions the scene now this is much more sober event where they show up at ramona niece's house and they have to deliver the news that oh, sharky yeah. has died but yeah. just again so professional you know not not a hint of anything other than professionalism and compassion and empathy, you know, when they, when they walk up to that door. Yes. So, and, and speaking of that courtroom scene back to that Merle shared about the, the line about, he was talking about Beryl's prostate, but apparently in the script, it was purposely written as prostrate (laughs) um, an intentional, not an error, but intentionally (laughs) to be funny. And uh, she said that Greg had to re-deliver the line uh, in filming and to because they intended it to be funny that he would say prostrate instead of uh, <laughs> prostate when Beryl had to go to the bathroom right away he says uh, your prostrate instead of prostate must be the size of a donut uh, I wish grapefruit more like it so <laughs> even <laughs> even the aging process they can have a sense of humor about you know yeah, that, that's yeah. great and if he hadn't had that large prostate slash prostrate um he wouldn't have gone to the bathroom and wouldn't have seen the guy that tipped him off but i do have a few trivia questions for you just for fun i don't know that i would get them right if i wasn't asking them so (laughs) just for fun when okay when crate and barrel the, the the song and the music when they go to tell Sharky's mom about his death. You know, a lot of people have brought that scene up. It's very moving and makes a, a big impression in folks' mind. Do you remember, was it Crate or Barrel that actually knocks on the door? 50-50 chance. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I guess all the, yeah, most of these are 50 I want to say it was Crate. And you then are I correct. Think, yeah, and then I think when Mrs. Neath opens the door, because Barrel was wearing his hat, right? Didn't yeah. he take off his he hat? He took off his hat and respect. respect. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Yeah, I went back and watched that because I was like, okay, I'll ask this question. And when they buzz <laughs> themselves in to the apartment complex, I, I believe it's Barrel that does just the numbers on the keypad. Mm-hmm. But then when they <laughs> actually get to the door, um, Crate knocks and then you're absolutely correct. Then Barrel removes his hat in respect to talk to her. So very good. hundred percent so far. <laughs> All right. When this is season, yep. Season five, season five, um, I believe <laughs> when <laughs> one of them is making copies and it's not going well 
and they're bickering and Grace comes out, which one of them is trying to make the copies? I don't remember. So I'm going to guess it was Beryl. Okay. Actually, that was what I thought too. And so I went back and watched the scene. Crate is making the copies and Beryl points out that it's not working because he left the staple in there. Oh, And then that leads to a tense moment (laughs) where Beryl makes a a dig about Crate's sight. Like you didn't see the staple or whatever. And then Crate makes a dig about Beryl's hearing, you know, and it gets uncomfortable. That's one of those points. I'm like, this is uncomfortable. I don't like this. (laughs) So, okay. Last one. What is the name of the gentleman that they talked to that had menopause? Oh, one of the ones that had a certain corner that he said was his spot and he argued with I, another guy. There ended up being a, yeah, a, a I, bad I, outcome there. I know <laughs> I was rewatching this last night. Oh, I can't remember his name. Oh, this is bad. I can't remember his name. But I remember the scene because they were yeah. basically, oh, well, we will take him, but he'll be out, you know. Yeah. Before the paperwork. Yeah. <laughs> Before mm-hmm. we can get the paperwork done. Well, that was Teddy Hobbs. Teddy Hobbs, yes. And that cameo characters, you would think it's just a cameo character and you don't pay attention. Uh But then it turns out, you know, like the Koreatown killer is a classic example because he popped up in a few seasons before he was finally, you know, well, he wasn't really caught so much as he, they found his dead body. Discovered, yeah, yeah. But he was one where, you know, like, you see him all the time and then you just think, oh, it's another guy cycling past. And you don't notice until you see him actually start committing crimes. And then you go, mm-hmm. didn't I see that guy? Yeah, like, wait a minute. Episodes ago? And when you go back and rewatch, you suddenly see him everywhere. Like yeah. there were scenes where he was right behind Harry. There mm-hmm. were scenes where he went right behind Honey. Oh, that um, one scared me. She jumped, yeah. you know, that one came out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah. And, but yeah, all, all these characters that, you know, just make a brief appearance, they might not even speak. And then suddenly, oh, there they are again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's all, that's the thing. You're right. There's always so much going on, multiple layers, yeah. multiple stories. And before you know it, that's a whole nother investigation that that's going yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah, they were the Zen masters. In that case, what a great scene when they figured out that that was the Koreatown killer. Well, thanks for talking to me about Crate and Barrel and, and Bosch and your fandom. Really appreciate <laughs> it. This you. was fun. You know, I'm sure this we could talk yeah, a lot longer. A <laughs> yeah, this is my Sunday morning, but, um, you know, what a great way to spend it. Well, everyone stay tuned. We have interviews from both Troy Evans, who plays Barrel, and Gregory Scott Cummins, who plays Crate. Enjoy those, and we'll be back for another episode of the Everybody Counts podcast. Bye. Hello. Hi. Hi. Welcome. Thanks. Haven't seen you for a while. It's been a while. More than a year this time. But thank you for coming back. See why? Yeah. <laughs> Wonder why. It's a little something called COVID has delayed a lot of things in life. So, yeah, normally we'd be chatting earlier in the spring, but uh, I'll take it some yeah. whenever I can get it. So, 
yeah, thanks for coming back on the Everybody Counts podcast. I'm, I'm really excited about this. Do you want to know how ready I am? How ready are you? I am on it like a bonnet. (laughs) (laughs) Great Uh, line. Great line. I love, I love, I love that. You know, the writers are very, very, very good to me. Yes. That's an old, who was it used to say that baseball have been a very, very good to me. Well, Bosh and the writers have been very, very good to me. Well, you have been good to the fans. That That's going to lead me into my first question. But I did want you to know up front that my first question was, what do you think of all this popularity of your character? I mean, Beryl is truly beloved. Would you have imagined this kind of following when you took the role? Um, Not quite to this level. Okay. But, you know, I had a kind of a similar experience on ER. Yeah. It was a little part. Right. A little Frank, the desk clerk, two or three lines an episode. But as time went on, more and more and more, the writers would, they'd write the whole scene and then Frank would have one acerbic thing to say at the very end. Yeah. And that's what people remember. And the editors knew. Okay. This is uh, uh, self-aggrandizing now. (laughs) But the editors knew that they could always cut to me, that I was always paying attention, that they would always have me in the scene. If they needed a cut, they could always go to Frank. Okay. Okay. Uh, That's a good reputation to have. Yeah. Always ready. So the odd thing is doing this, think of all the actors who had huge parts on Mm -hmm. ER over the 15 years. And uh, many, many, many people say, well, Frank was our favorite guy. Yeah. Well, it's very flattering to me, but it's, uh, I'm proud of it. It's, you know, the way I work. So, well, my husband wanted me to make sure I let you know, and we were doing a mic test the other day. I was, he was helping me test out a new mic. And so I just started rattling off some questions for fun and asked him about his favorites, of course, on Bosch and you were right up there. So he wanted me to make sure that that got passed along, but yeah, I mean, on social media, and everything, the fans are just all over your character, the crate and barrel combo. It's just every year people get more and more excited about, about seeing you guys. So I know they're going to love it this season. I'll, I'll tell you a, a funny thing about that. Mm-hmm. And it involves Titus, who's a very nice, generous person. Yes. And seven years ago, whatever it is, when we did our first scene uh-huh. on, on uh, Bosch, and Greg and I didn't know each other at all. Okay. You know, we came in and, and we and and we did that scene and they they finished the first take and Titus said, spin off. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, that's and you can uh, see it already. I, yeah. I don't think that's gonna happen, but I, I have a little fantasy of a of a a wonderful little crate and barrel sitcom would be it would be a lovely thing well that's on my list actually Uh, on my list was that the fans are you know they are always saying clamoring for a crate and barrel spinoff so i was wondering if you had to pitch one what what would the content be what would be we'd be looking at as a crate and barrel spinoff what would you ask for well yeah i mean this is 110% 110% fantasy, you know, but that's okay. I just, I just picture uh, somebody could have a lot of fun mm-hmm. with crate and barrel. Finally, both retiring and they open their own private detective business mm-hmm. and all of the cases would have a, a comedic 
twist to them. You know, of they'd course. be serious cases, but with Crate and Barrel, it'd be kind of, yeah. you know, and we'd solve things sometimes kind of by accident. And, uh -huh. some, and um, but I, I think the thing I like about the way they've written those characters is that they're funny and they're kind of goofy and they're not fixated like Harry Bosch is, mm -hmm. but they are cops. Yeah. Oh, indeed. and they do get it done. Mm -hmm. you know, but in a more relaxed fashion. Sure. And I think that makes it all the more rewarding sometimes because you, you get to thinking of them, you know, easygoing with this, this little bit of comedy and then they really come through and you're like, wow, it kind of pulls you out of it. And you're like, they know their stuff, you know, they're for real. So I, I like that sort of dichotomy there. I think, I think yeah. it works really well. So thanks. Well, tell me, is there, I know this is probably a very hard question, but is there a favorite scene over the seven seasons that you filmed, something that has always kind of stood out? Yes. Okay. I, I have one, and, and this was either the first or the second scene that we filmed. Okay. And this was back in season one, where there was the serial killer who was killing the 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 male hookers on Hollywood yeah. Boulevard. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they, they caught him with a dead body, and you know, it was a traffic yes. stop, and then mm -hmm. and a, a naked dead guy in the back of the van. Right. And Greg and I interrogate him. And to me, that scene was perfectly written. Mm -hmm. And all three actors are there. And it just works like a Swiss watch. I awesome. just, I just love it. <laughs> it's, a, it's a perfectly crafted scene. Yes. It's so perfectly written. Uh, that's that's the one I'd take home if I could only have one scene. Awesome. Me. Awesome. Yeah, it's nice to see that you and Greg play off of each other kind of in that scene, you know. Yes, and, 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 and I'll tell you something. This speak, you know, Greg is an uh, incredibly good actor. And uh, we finished that scene and and uh, Jamie Hector was watching it. And he, and he came over to us. He said, God, he said, how long have you guys known each other? Oh, wow. He said, well, we, we don't know each other. And Jamie was like, what? Because it felt like we were married. Yeah, yeah. And, very, that's, very and that's what I love about the, the way that it has been written more and more and more, that we yes. interact like an old married couple. Yes, absolutely. And it's just beautiful. Yeah, I love how the writers have, have played into that. Well, speaking of the writers, I know when we've talked to Titus before, he's uh, talked about some of your homespun sayings from Montana. And I know we get a little, little kind of a little bit of a, a, a nod to that um, in season seven. But have you ever, have the writers ever come to you just looking for some kind of phrase like that, that they may not be familiar with, but that would fit your character? No, it's an interesting thing. And it's actually similar to what went on with ER, you know, on okay. a, on a, on a television set or a movie set, mm -hmm. somebody runs it. Yeah. And sometimes it's the director mm -hmm. and sometimes it's the producers. Very often it's the star. Oftentimes on a TV show, it's the cast is sort of a gang. Yeah. You know, and if you're lucky, it's the writers. And on ER, with all the star power they had on ER, if Noah Wiley wanted to change a line, of course they would talk to him. Okay. But if they, in the end, they went, you know, uh, we really like it the way it is. Then Noah would do it the way it was written. Uh -huh. And that's why when you watch 15 
seasons of ER, it didn't end up sounding like a bunch of people sitting around Starbucks bullshitting. Yeah. Right. And the same is true, maybe even more so on Bosch. The okay. writers are very protective of their writing. Mm -hmm. And no matter how high a regard for me, they mm -hmm. don't want to set that precedent where, where sure. like, okay. Somebody else finds out, you know, they're going to Troy and asking him what he wants to say. Well, I have some things I like. And then you yeah. go down. So they write it and we're expected to say it. And I actually take pride in that. I think that's a uh, that's part of the craft of acting to take something that may not comfortably come out of my mouth sure. and make it seem like it does. Right. Make it seem like just popped into my head. Just yeah. Like, yeah. That's, that's part of the job. Well, I'd say your delivery is pretty darn flawless oh, with all the fun sayings that they, they throw at you and everything. It just rolls off the tongue. I love it. <laughs> on it like a bonnet. On it like a bonnet. That's right. <laughs> now we've seen several scenes with Beryl in a restaurant, you know, with yes. different different colleagues or, you know, whatever. And so like, I can remember Swingers, Musso and Frank, Bordners, probably been others. I know you've talked about Egg Slut. I don't know if we actually oh, saw you at- Talk about what? Egg Slut. Oh, yes. I we, know y'all mentioned we, it. They didn't see us in Egg yes, Slut. Yes, right. They, that's what and I, I felt know. really, I thought we were going to get a really good breakfast yeah. that morning and they, <laughs> they boned us. Well, I was wondering with all of those eating scenes, which I, I imagine you're not, really eating the food? I don't know, but just atmosphere wise, like filming the scenes, which was your favorite place of the restaurants that you filmed in that you oh, like the most? It'd be really hard not to say Musso and Frank. Okay. <laughs> you know, and now have you been to Musso's? I have not. No. Well, next time you come to LA, you have to, they're reopened now. And, okay. You know, that place is a hundred years old. Yeah. Yeah. You know, all, you know, all of uh, the people you admire, the movie stars from the 30s and 40s, mm -hmm. they all ate at Musso's. Yeah. You know, everybody has gone to Musso's forever and ever. And their food is excellent. And Okay. All the, now here, I don't know if I can tell this so it's clear, but I'll try. Okay. The last time we shot there, and I, I am, I, I have a hard time remembering names. Okay. And... I've always been that way and it's not getting better now that I'm in my seventies, you know, <laughs> but the last time we shot it uh, and, and I don't eat at Musso's very much. I love it. But uh, uh, you know, the, if you're going to Musso's, you're going for a steak and my sure. wife is vegetarian. And so uh -huh. we just don't, but I've been there a few times, but uh -huh. last time is years ago, you know? And so we, we came in and they had the, the, uh, and they used some of the waiters and stuff for Musso and everything. And the Mater D is standing there in his red jacket. And we come in. He said, "Oh, hello, Mr. Evans. So nice to see you again." I thought, "Oh my God, this how how what kind of a mind does this guy have?" I was right. You're like sure maybe eleven years ago, and he. <laughs> I'm like, oh, and just kind of humiliated me in a way, you know. <laughs> Then later I found out he wasn't the Mater D at Musso's. He's a background player and he knew me from ER. Okay. <laughs> so, okay. And I didn't make it. So made you feel a yeah, little, little better. A, a little better. I still should have remembered him, but <laughs> uh, yeah. That's funny. That's funny. So, you know, Greg has fun calling himself Mr. Good Looking. We've talked yes. about that. 
have you ever come up with a nickname for yourself just to sort of in comparison to his well you're mr good looking but i'm uh, no i just <laughs> i mean if, if i if i need one i just i just refer to myself as funky old troy but now i i have no. to tell you something about greg and maybe you're ahead of me on this have you ever looked up images of him i, ha I have i mean i've still so when he, he several was younger mm -hmm. you know yeah. I mean, he, he makes, you know, uh, Cary Grant look like a character actor, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? I mean, he's actually probably the reason his career wasn't bigger than it's been is he was too good looking. Okay. Notice that the, the people who really become, you know, leading men movie stars <laughs> are like, like Harrison Ford is a great example. Yeah. And he's a good looking guy, but he doesn't look like a god. Right, like looks like, or something. And, yeah, and uh, I'll tell you, uh, I'll tell you my theory about that. Okay, and that is, you know, Sinatra, uh, one of the, one of the greatest singers of all time, popular right. popular singers. Right, and and you know, people loved him, and part of the reason he they loved him was because the way he sang, mm -hmm. every guy in America thought he could sing almost that well. And it's the same with Harrison Ford. Everybody's okay. just like, I'm almost as good looking. Almost as achievable. Yeah. 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 You know, and that it's that that makes him relatable. Yeah, exactly. Instead of this guy. And those those early shots of Greg, I can see where that joke started. Although I do give him a lot of crap about that because that's <laughs> the only joke he knows. Yeah, I'm the good looking guy. We know, <laughs> Greg. We know. Well, well, uh. It never gets old to him. No, no, no. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Well, I'm wondering, did you keep anything from the set? Were you allowed uh, to snag oh, something? Oh, yes. First of all, they had a jar of coffee nips, big, like a, a gallon jug of, and not, not coffee nips brand, but, but you know what I mean? Those sticky cho uh, coffee yes. chocolate candies. Right that were a prop on the set. There's an area where the, an honor snack bar where, where yes. get a candy uh -huh. bar and drop a dollar in. With, I remember those. that. And, you know, it's a big rule and, you know, you don't eat props, right? So okay. I, I only ate those every episode for seven years, <laughs> right? So I'd eaten almost the whole thing. And then the, and, and one time Michael Connolly was appalled by it. He said, he saw me and he said, you know, those are seven years old. I, said, oh, I yeah, was wondering. I, that's I've, what been, I... I've been eating them. So the last day, Michael Connolly took that thing and signed it to me and gave it, gave me. Oh, that that's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, Very cool. And well, I think that added to the authenticity because, you know, the jar would not stay full over seven years. It would naturally be down at times. Exactly. Now, in fairness, they didn't focus on that a lot. I was looking yeah. to see if I could, just to say, let me see if I Okay. Know. Okay. okay. <laughs> the jar. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. That's so fantastic. Here. And so it was full initially? It was full. Yeah. And I, I had all signed Signed, I don't know if you can read that, but I signed can. by Michael Kahn. Yes, that's perfect. What a great <laughs> gift. I love that. I love that. Yeah. And then, and, and now I don't see where this is, but the other thing that I, that I took was a, a little trophy, like a, you know, like the kind of trophies they give for tennis or anything like yeah. that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and, and it has a, 
police officer, little plastic, white plastic stand yep. and a police officer on top of it holding a, a gun like this. And then it had a plaque on it that said, debate first place. Oh. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Makes so much sense. Uh, that's funny. That's funny. So you kept that too. That's great. Yes. That's a, oh, it's so funny to see that the rampage of, you know, adults and, oh, yeah. and, and all adults who, who have good paying jobs. Yep. And then when they, when they called a rap on that set, people were just running around like crazy. I would have everything. loved to have been a fly on the wall for that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> did, did anyone fight over anything? No. Good. No. No, but, oh, good. and you know what else? Uh, th- and this is kind of kind of funny too, because you know the the Keebler Elf jar on yes, my desk. Yes, yes, I have a picture with that. Okay, so yes. and the the prop guys came to me and they said, "Listen, we know you're probably going to want that Keebler Elf, and you can't take it. Eric Overmeyer wants it, and you know Eric is executive yeah. producer and the yeah. writer, and he's and Eric wants it. I thought it's a weird thing for Eric to want, but okay." fine you know yeah yeah and so so the as soon as it was over the prop guys got that and spirited it out of there and then uh like a week later uh, uh eric called me and said yeah are you coming by the Sunday time i said i could said, well, why, why don't you swing by the swing by and he and he had it for me that's oh, why oh that's awesome that's so awesome i have it i actually uh uh, I wish I'd thought of it. I made a little area out in the garden where I have all yeah. the little elves and stuff. And I have the Keebler elf. Oh, that's so they cool. just made a whole, whole little elf world out there in the garden. A little village. Yeah, yeah. That's fantastic. Well, that's the thing I thought of when I wrote this question. I was like, I wonder if he ended up with the, the, the elves cookie jar. So that's, that's great. And that's speak, now who thinks of this? Do you remember the argument I had with, with Jamie Hector at, uh, on the Christmas episode, where the, this, this is where we first see the Keebler elves. Oh, yeah. He says it's and, not a and Christmas he said, And he was angry. He said, those aren't yeah. Christmas elves. Yeah. Those right. are Keebler elves. Yeah. I'm like, oh. and, and he was a fan. Well, who thinks to write that? I know. I know. Just so clever. And that's very funny. Yeah. It, it is indeed. Yeah. It's not a Christmas decoration. <laughs> that's funny. Well, what, what do you think uh, you're going to be, are you going to enjoy some downtime or move on to well, another project? What, what's in store for you? Well, uh, let's see. Uh, first of all, you know, they're doing a subsequent. Yes. Uh, and, and, and they will be endeavoring to separate themselves from Bosch. Mm-hmm. But by the same token, I have a feeling Crate and Barrel may pop up there once in a while. Not mm-hmm. nearly as much. Yeah. And I don't know exactly how, but with him as a private detective, I I can foresee scenarios where he might meet us somewhere to talk sure. about, see, do oh, you know yeah. anything about this? Or, you know, just to share some information or, or right. maybe uh, one way or the other, maybe he's found out something he thinks we should know or, you know, that sort of sort of thing. It totally yeah, makes but, sense story-wise. But not but but not nearly as much. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, what really served us was having the police station because in a way we were part of the set. Yeah. When you came into the station, you would see you, Craig. You expected Craig. them, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that helps establish that zeitgeist. It does, know? yeah. So, so that that doesn't exist anymore. Right. So 
the, uh, yeah. the only way we can be seen is 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 somewhere else. So yeah. I expect we'll we'll pop up once in a while, not very much. And you know when when Bosch started, I'd been retired for two or three years. Okay. Okay. And because a funny thing happened, funny to me, <laughs> or funny odd. For all those years on ER, they do 22 episodes a, a year of ER, 22 to 24. And I was in about half of them. Mm-hmm. And then I would do uh, three or four or five other jobs during that okay. time. And then when I realized ER was ending, then I told my wife, we're going to have to kind of adjust our lifestyle a little bit because now we'll have to survive on those that handful of jobs instead okay. of the, the 10 or 12 episodes right. of, of ER. And then for reasons I will never understand, something in the universe, when the ER, when ER stopped, all those other jobs stopped too. Oh. Uh, just uh, just Yikes. suddenly, uh, 2009, Yeah, there was just no more work. Well, I was f- uh, fully eligible for retirement and, and, and you know, I, I wasn't embittered about that or anything. I've always felt like nobody ever got my job. Right. You know, if there was a job for me, I had yeah. that job. Yeah. So if it's, and I'd worked for 40 years and if it's somebody else's turn, so be it. You right. Know? And then Bosch came up and then I thought, well, maybe I'll get one or two of these a year. And I did 50 of them or what, 55, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so now I'll get a, you know, a few of these, uh, I'm assuming I'll get a few of these on the new series. And then who knows what, yeah. I mean, I might be done or there might be another series where, yeah. you know, who you, knows you just, you know, so you're it, open to the possibilities. Oh yeah. yeah. And, and it's, and it's, it's very interesting to see. And you think of, there've been a lot of TV series that have a grandpa or a great grandpa or cranky neighbor, or something, <laughs> you know, and there aren't a lot of jobs for guys in their, in their seventies. But there are some, yeah, you know, indeed. And so, and a lot of the guys who used to uh, get those jobs uh, aren't in the running. <laughs> right, right. Yep. They retired. Not not an option yeah. anymore. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so you know, what whatever will be, will be. Well, you'll have a lot of fans following you wherever you pop up. Definitely. Oh, all right. You're welcome. This is kind of a silly question, but we've been asking all the, the cast members, if budget were not a concern, it's not a matter of money, how would you, Troy, choose to solve Hollywood Division's terrible coffee problem? They just got the worst coffee. How would you solve that if money were no issue? <laughs> <laughs> that, that's funny. And, and the reason I'm not a good person to ask is... I have one cup of coffee a day. Okay. And I don't really care what it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What what I what I've been doing now lately is Costco has cans of cold brew. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I so I I buy the Costco the cans. I get up in the morning, I pour a can in the cup, I nuke it, I add some chocolate, I mm-hmm. add some fat-free half and half. And to me, it's nirvana. People who are real coffee people, yeah, um, they're not that interested in in my coffee skills. But okay. that's all okay. would solve it. Costco cold brew. A couple of Costco runs. Okay, okay, I like that. I mean, it, it, it sounds like it'd be a step up from what nobody has to clean anything up. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, very efficient. I like it. Very good. Well, thank you so much for spending some time with me. I really appreciate it. It's always such a pleasure. I I appreciate anybody who wants to talk to me. (laughs) Oh, many, many want to talk to you. I'm telling you, the fans want to have a Bosch convention and have people come and take photos and all that. Who knows? But the fans, yeah, everybody wants to talk to you. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, (laughs) tell everybody I love them to death. I will. I will. Absolutely. All right. Well, you take care and, um, you know, we'll be in touch. We're going to keep following everything that's going on. So, hey, we'll get to chat with you again. Thank you so much for including me. Oh, you're welcome. You've always been at the near the top of the list for sure. So, so popular and so kind. (laughs) Well, you know, you know, remind what I've said since. Uh, since the very first episode I was in, said, is, you know, if you're on a show that's called Bosch, yeah, either you're Bosch or you're not Bosch. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, there's only one. There's only uh, one. <laughs> but it's still been pretty, pretty uh, much a lot of fun. Well, give your regards to Heather, too, because I follow her pictures on Instagram and her work and, and your gardening and everything is beautiful. Yeah, so. isn't she? Uh, you know, one of the great joys in my life is telling people that my wife is a blacksmith. It's great. And nine times out of ten, they think I'm joking. Oh yeah, okay. it's great that you can do that. That's yeah, amazing she's, work. So, she's, and and do you know that she has a blacksmithing school? You know, I think that may have come up before. Yeah, look yeah, it up. Awesome. Adams okay. Forge. Adams Forge. AMS, like Adams Forge. Uh-huh. Okay. And it's a nonprofit in LA and she's taught hundreds of people uh, how beginning blacksmithing and, and there are probably at least 30 or 40 out there who went on, became professional artist blacksmith. That's great. You got to keep that craft going. So that's really, yeah. that's really great that she does that. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. All right. You take care, Troy. Day. Love you. Bye. Love you too. Bye-bye. Bye. Welcome again to the Everybody Counts podcast. Thanks for making time for me. Thank um, you. Pleasure to be here. Awesome. Well, it's good I, to see you again. I, it is nice. It's nice to see you. I wanted to just right up front say, how does it feel having become such a fan favorite on the show? It grows every season and your character is just more popular than ever did did you think that fans would be so enamored of this character when you accepted the role well uh, no gosh i you know when we started the first season we we were just uh, you know we didn't know if we were going to have a second season or a third season uh, sure i i think um i i've never had such a great experience where i was partnered with somebody uh, like troy evans who just uh, he's such a, a wonderful human being he's such a great actor and when we just started doing it from the first season on we just clicked you know yeah. we just uh, seemed to work well off it's kind of like it's like one and one make three it's like we're better together we make a you know a team there and and it just works and i yeah i'm obviously uh, you know we were supporting guest starring recurring characters through the yeah. whole seasons all the seasons but but they started writing a little more for us as we got to the fifth and sixth season uh, they enlarged our roles and and we got to expand on things and mm-hmm. it's really been it, it's really been the the job of a lifetime for me yeah. and, and working with Troy has just been just marvelous and in, in every way and 
I am surprised, you know, to be at this, uh, to get up in years and, and to get something like this has been just a great blessing. Yeah. I mean, your characters come up as favorites in so many, so many conversations. It's, it's, uh, it's awesome. And I like the way that the show made your characters multidimensional over the seasons, you know, very, seemed more yes. comedy, you know, in the, in the beginning, although you had some very, very serious scenes that first season, but we got to oh, see yeah. more of your, your characters yeah. and learn more. About yeah. Well, them. and I attribute a lot of that to, I mean, the characters were written by Michael Connolly in just one book, Yeah. but Eric Overmeyer, the head writer and creator, mm-hmm. uh, along with Michael Connolly, but he, he just, you know, started giving more dimensions to all the characters around yeah. a botch mm-hmm. around around Titus Welliver who really you know is the show I mean but they eventually got around to creating this dynamic of our characters and and giving us more to do and uh, and and not just be a little comic relief here and there right. but we got into some serious stuff too and uh, absolutely and uh, you know that's the way uh, that's been just uh, wonderful for yeah. us and, but I think also good for the show I that's the way mm-hmm. police officers are you know they yeah they deal with some really serious stuff and sure. uh, life and death stuff right and a lot of high pressure and high tension and and i think you know there i've talked to oh hundreds of police officers and detectives across the country since the show started and they mm-hmm. said we've got a crate and barrel in our in our detective <laughs> yeah we, yeah we've got and another one we've got one we got there's always some yeah partner team that it kind of goofs around a little more and to relieve the tension you know some some police officers are a little more serious all the time but a lot of them can you know practical jokes things like that sure uh, it's uh, so it's been uh, it's been great I mean, yeah I would, have, I would imagine it's very much a coping mechanism in some ways yes. you know yes to kind of get through through all that well it, it's I know this is a really tough question but do you have a favorite scene that you filmed out of all seven seasons? Like, I know you loved it all, but like one that maybe felt closest to your heart or really stands out to you, the memory of it. Oh, Lord, that's, <laughs> that's oh, hard. That, that's <laughs> tough. Yeah, it's tough. Um, you know, I, I, that's very tough. Uh, that whole um, that whole season where Beryl was going to retire and, yes. you know, there was an emotional thing with that, I, that not just the retirement party, but leading up to it. Also, too, in the first season when I got shot, there were some mm-hmm. really, uh, neat scenes leading up to that and after. And it's, yeah. it's really, really hard to pick any one favorite scene because yeah. there, there's some that are emotional and, and more serious and some that are a little funnier. Uh, that yeah. that we had fun doing. Uh, I I couldn't pick one scene. Uh, yeah, it would be hard. I would. I would. I think that's yeah. Really, really. Well, the thing is, thing it, to do. It, people think when you're in the show, you can't be a fan of the show. And and I'm just <laughs> such a fan of everybody who's on the show. Yeah. And you know, we work uh, on certain days, and other days we don't work. We read the script, but we don't get to see you know what everybody does every mm-hmm. day shooting like the crew does uh, you know so yeah. when the show comes out I, i'm i'm still a fan of the show yeah. I mean, i'm a fan I, I love watching everybody's work and uh, right you know working with them has just been such a pleasure but then i also love the show i'm a fan yeah. of the show I'm a huge fan of the show so definitely well i can tell you one season that comes up a lot when fans are talking that really resonated with folks I, i'm not even sure if there was any dialogue but the scene where you and Beryl show up at Sharky's mom's 
apartment and have to yeah. tell her yeah I mean the music in that and just the way you all carried yourselves and it was very real and just yeah a lot of emotion with that one yeah yeah and uh, and Troy is really an emotional guy too and he he's uh, and and uh, the director of that episode Alex uh, Zakruski I always have a hard time with his last name yeah. he, he directed a lot of episodes over the years as well as Ernest Dickerson and Patrick Cady is in the last season and many others we've had over the years but he he was a genius with the visuals of mm-hmm. really like a film I mean it, it the, 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 the way they went to shoot us walking up to the door and capturing just all without words. It was just yeah. a very, it was a very beautiful moment. And uh, he, he really uh, is a genius with the uh, camera work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, the uh, director Alex was uh, so, um, so yeah, that, and that, and also too, in the tunnel when uh, Sharky was dead there and yeah. watching Titus uh, playing Bosch, looking over the body. Mm-hmm. It was very emotional. I mean, Titus is so, so good. Uh, and, and he's playing a character who, I mean, there was a take there, a couple takes there where he was just looking down at the body and, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, tears were just streaming down his face and you know, it was very emotional. And then he'd look up and he'd say, we, we can't use that take, you know, because and I say, are you kidding me? I said, that's, that's where you win awards and stuff. And, and he said, yeah, but doesn't, my character wouldn't cry like that. Right. You know, his yeah. own personal emotions got sure. involved so much yeah. that, that he actually didn't want to use the takes where he was mm-hmm. crying. Yeah, know. no, I, that makes sense. Yeah, he has that. Yeah, intuitive about that. Yeah, that, that whole storyline just always chokes me up every time I rewatch, regardless. It was very, oh, yeah. very well done by everyone. Well, I'm curious in, in thinking just about your character's personality and their career, what keeps Crate and Beryl? you want to answer on behalf of him from becoming disgruntled about their work and they've been doing it for a long time they gripe they fuss but they really ultimately seem to still really enjoy their work so what keeps that alive in them you think well i I think not just you know yeah i I think if i look at the real police officers detectives that i know robbery homicide detectives it's a calling for the people that i know in real life and i think they really capture that in our characters and every everybody, all the other characters, to the writers and uh, and Michael Conley with the books and and it, it's the uh, the real people who do it in real life. It's not just a job; it, it is a calling. It's like mm-hmm. a, you know somebody's called to be a doctor, you know, and sure. and they want to help people every day, save lives. This is what police work is for these people. I mean, they are. They're, they're making a difference. They're putting their lives on the line uh, every day and they go out and they, you know, catching bad guys to save lives so they don't mm-hmm. kill other people. And it's uh, it's a calling. You know, it, it really isn't something I, you know, a lot of police officers that have, you know, retired and they still they still stay involved. They still they mm-hmm. work cold cases. They, you know, they just it's their life. You know, it okay. really consumes them. And it, it's a noble, a noble sure. suit. Yeah, definitely. And I, and I think that's it. I think they, you yeah. know, I think, and that's the way we play it. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's not just something we could easily walk away from, you know? And I do think we, we goof around and we joke around with each other a little bit to relieve the tediousness or the difficulty sometimes because there yeah. are ups and downs. That, mm-hmm. that, well, that explains it really well. I, I appreciate that. That's, that makes a lot of sense. 
Well, I'm curious. It seems like in the past few seasons, there have been a lot of movie or maybe sometimes television references between your character and Beryl. Were you already familiar with all of those references that came across in your dialogue? Uh, Can you think of any references in particular? Because uh, I I do know that there are certain things that I have had to look up. Okay. Yeah. I don't remember off the top of my head, but I know when like you guys were, your characters were changing, rotating, doing the wiretap on yes. Alicia Kent. Yes. Somehow at that point, you get to talking about a movie reference, you know, and it, sometimes it almost seems oh, like- Oh, that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah, that yes. kind of reference. Oh, yeah. yeah. Were you familiar with yeah. all of those? And, Well, and you know, there are old movie buffs and, yeah. and oh, absolutely. When I did the, uh, we did the thing where we referred to a movie. I, I can't remember the movie right now, but we, we were listing off names of the actors, you know, yeah. And, and I had to go back and look up that movie on IMDb. Okay. And I actually I actually rented it uh, to find out who Claudia Cardinal was. Yes, I yes. Her, I remember her name Cardinale. now. She's yes. a beauty. She was like in the Sophia Loren okay. genre. She mm-hmm. was Italian. She was just a, a beautiful femme fatale. And yeah, there are there have been times when they reference. I thought you were talking about more police terms. I had to look some of that stuff up too. But whenever we reference movies, there are some movies that maybe I've seen from a long time ago that I didn't have to look up. But there are some references that I definitely uh, have had to look up, you know, and and familiarize myself so I can, you know, when I talk about them, I know what I'm talking about, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's I think it's really neat because it's kind of almost like a not not a private conversation between the two of them, Mm -hmm. but those two get it. Everyone else in the station, some of the, some of the other guys and gals may not get it, you know. Yeah, it's like yeah, you two, yeah. Your two characters yeah. are really in tune with some of that. Yeah, movie. well, they've they've written the, our characters are are huge movie buffs, especially mm-hmm. the older movies, because you know we're older and uh, and we watch a lot of those old westerns and all kinds of movies and yeah. uh, and we make reference to them. Yeah, and yeah. that's kind of, that's really fun. I, mean, I that think actually, it's fun too. Yeah, very cool. Okay. Well, did you keep anything from the set? Did you take anything oh. with you? <laughs> oh. Well, I, yeah, this whole last season, I just say briefly, the hardest time I had shooting this last season, because it was emotional for everybody. Sure. But we did it under the COVID protocols. Mm-hmm. So every second we were not speaking our dialogue, we had our masks on. And even though we were all tested every day, we couldn't hug each other you know, and and hello and goodbye each day. And we could, you know, it was such an emotional season to shoot because we'd been together, most of us for the whole seven years. Yeah. And here we can't, we can't give each other hugs, uh, you know, or even shake hands or or whatever as much, uh, unless we're, you know, filming a scene. Yeah, And uh, that was hard. But yeah, I did find a beautiful hooded. Well, it was just a hooded sweater that had LAPD across the front. And it was hanging as a prop on, okay. on, a, on a clothes. Uh, like a you coat know, rack or something? Hang, a coat rack. Yeah, coat okay. Rack. And and I went up to the prop guy and I said, you know, uh, could I, do you think there's a chance that, you know, after we're the, or the last day of the set, we shot in the bullpen, the detective bullpen, the mm-hmm. last day uh, of the last scene that we shot in the bullpen, I said, do you think there'd be a chance of me maybe getting that, you know, that uh, thing? 
Beryl got the uh, Keebler Elves jar. I heard about he that. Saved it. He saved it for what he thought Eric, uh, Eric Overmeyer had asked him to grab it from the set. Yes. And which is a good story. And and, and then Eric Overmeyer wanted him to save it because he presented it to, to Troy as a gift. Yeah. <laughs> so, That's very uh, cool. So he has the Keebler Elves jar. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Someone needed to have that. And he's the perfect one to, to take that home. Yeah. Well, obviously, like you talked about with COVID and, and the procedures in order to be safe, you know, you didn't probably didn't get to interact with as many of the guest stars or, and so forth. But I'm wondering who was your biggest competition for best looking on the set this year? Oh. this season? <laughs> They're so sick of me talking about this, joking about it. Just It's just what I do to make myself laugh all the time and and tease people it was jamie there for a while moved into number two okay i just i had it three and then you know lance was in there at four but but then you know uh, this last season i i decided to bequeath Titus back to the number two oh, best okay. on this position. Okay. So, a little uh, rotation. Well, yeah, he yeah. deserved it. You yeah. know, I mean, you know, he deserved to be the second <laughs> best looking, you know. So every time I would show up, he would get depressed. But every day that I wasn't there, he could be the best looking on the set. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 I, I think that's very fitting for, for season seven. Yeah. Just to yeah, bring that, back up close little, to the top. Yeah. That's my little trademark, which I've been doing for years that I've been goofing around with people uh you know it, it works for you it it's works. my it's my own little dream world and i like it there it's been very effective i would say for your career so <laughs> yeah well, right this is just kind of a silly question we've been asking all the actors and and michael came on with me and so forth so it's just kind of a silly question but just a hypothetical if budget were not a concern like money was not a factor how would you, Greg, choose to solve Hollywood Division's terrible coffee problem? What would you do to make it the situation better? You just, you know, get so many complaints throughout the throughout the show over the years. What would you do to make a well, better that's coffee? Interesting, situation? because I never uh, was shown drinking coffee in all okay. the seasons. Wow! So okay. I didn't have anything to do with the coffee machine. <laughs> I, I uh, my character, you know, yeah, yeah. And, and so I guess other people, I don't know, I guess they get a better machine, you know, Maybe a better machine, really okay. good, really good coffee. But Crate, my character, I was never seen going and getting a cup of coffee. I, okay. I, was just, I just always have maybe something to drink or I was eating my yogurt. That's all I, that's all I did. So okay. I, honestly, I can't, I can't answer that. I don't that's know. okay. That's okay. You're not really, your character was not really invested in that. So, you know, no, so that makes no, sense. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, I've seen you out there on the, the Bosch Pit Facebook group talking with fans and stuff, and they love that. Do you enjoy doing that? Is that fun to connect oh, yeah. like that? Well, people, you know, People seem shocked that, uh, you know, I'm not a big, you know, name star where they have like millions of fans where you have to hire people to, you know, to stay, you know, to keep in touch with the public. I'm just a, you know, a blue collar actor guy and and I'm a fan of the show. And and I yeah. just got it this morning. Some guy says they thought I somebody was pulling their his leg because he said, oh, this isn't really the the Greg the Cummins, Greg who, Cummins, who, yeah. who plays great. And, and I jumped on there and I said, uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's me. 
And he seemed like, oh, my God. And they're doing this uh, stuff. And they're going, I can't believe it. I can't believe you. you're on and talking to us. And I go, well, why wouldn't I be? I, I, I enjoy it. I'm a fan of the show, too, as I said before. So, you know, I'm just I'm just a part. I'm, I'm just a, a small cog in, in a big wheel. You know, so. Uh, well, so that's I, what I'm I, telling you, though, that your character has just become such a favorite. I know that's a really big deal to to a lot of fans. So I, I hear where you're coming from, but I, I can see why they get really excited because it's just your character has just become pretty epic, honestly. Well, you know, but then you get into the whole thing. See, when I was a kid, I, I never got goo goo goo, you know, thing for for like okay. Actors. I, yeah. I, I'm a huge film buff. I've mm-hmm. watched film my whole life, seen probably everything that's ever been shot. Well, not everything, but almost. And ever <laughs> since I was a kid, I just would uh, go into movie theaters, watch films, watch films, watch films. But it was, I used to, you know, idolize the athletes. Yeah. You know, and sure. especially mm-hmm. baseball, Willie Mays and, yeah. and, you know, the Giants or the Oakland A's or my teams and the 49ers and the Raiders and the, and the Golden State Warriors. And, and even if they weren't on those teams, you know, I, I just, I, you know, when I would run, I'd play golf over the years, uh, you know, and I'd run into Elgin Baylor. He'd, mm-hmm. he'd be paired up with me in the same group and he'd just say, hi, I'm Elgin. And I'd look at him and he'd be <laughs> like really tall. And I'd go, the Elgin? And he go, I go, oh my God. I said, I, I, I just, uh-huh. can I shake your hand? I just, oh my God. And that's when I get Google eyed. Mm-hmm. I don't get, uh, I don't get that way over actors and stuff because I think, you know, it's not to me, the sports were always, or Jim Brown. I was paired up with Jim Brown, you know, on the public golf course and, mm-hmm. and we all met and I went, I just, uh, I, I, can I shake the hand of the greatest running back of all time? I said, <laughs> I, I can't tell you when well, this has been so incredible sure but, but sure. for actors I've, I've never been that way because i for me it was just always sports was the, the yeah. thing that i always yeah. uh, and playing sports was a big thing for me through my childhood and all that stuff so i really looked up to the guys that did it on the pro levels and mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah and, uh, sure you know but uh, I but I, but so I can understand though I get you know I get it from family members too or extended family members or or friends okay. family or friends yeah. of friends and they go oh my god you know a crate on you know my niece is a police officer up in Northern California and she just happened to mention one day yeah my uncle's on uh, uh, plays uh, crate. Of Crate and Barrel on Bosch, and and all the people in the police department were going, "Oh my God, that's the best show we've ever seen." He's your uncle, and and she just laughs and she calls me and she said, "Everybody went crazy when they found out you were on the show. You're my uncle." And um, I believe it. You know, so it's kind of it's uh, even my family gets it sometimes. Yeah. You know, my, my nieces, nephews, and brothers, and cousins and whatever and and i or it's always sunny in philadelphia he plays luther max dad or yeah, you know, yeah. that's a big show that has a big following and right and, uh, i get a a lot of stuff with that but uh you know this we just have so much online now where people can communicate with this online yeah. stuff years mm-hmm. ago you couldn't do this right you, know, you, you couldn't communicate with people in the same way yeah you know? i mean it's fun to bond over shared interests and things you get excited about. So, I mean, it's all a matter of perspective. So I think you should, should enjoy it. 
Well, you, you bring a lot of joy to fans as your character and as, as you, as Greg. So I we all it. appreciate that. And, and thank you for your time today. This was a lot of fun. I always enjoy catching oh, up with you. It's a lot of fun. I, so. Oh, I thank you, too, for what you're doing. And I, I love seeing you again. You've been doing it all these years and doing all <laughs> other stuff, too. And and yeah. I just have to say this last season, you know, is going to be a good one. It's coming out here shortly. It's mm-hmm. really going to be a good season. I read the scripts. I was there. It's going to be good. And it's going to be a, a little bittersweet ending, but it's not mm-hmm. completely ending. Yeah, There's a little bit uh, more to come and another yeah, yeah. off. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's more of a continuation, uh, Titus said, which really it is. It's a yeah. continuation of, of his journey in, in mm-hmm. life. A so, different um, part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But I, uh, I'm looking forward to just as much as everybody else to see it uh, start playing. Enjoy it all together. But thank you. You look, by the way, you look great. You look. Oh, absolutely. you're so sweet. Okay. Yeah, you you are definitely one of the good looking people. You're in the club. Okay, uh, I'm in the club. club. <laughs> awesome. <Yeah. laughs> all right. You take care, right. Greg. You Bye. too. Bye-bye. Bye bye.